Here we go. We're Law and Gospel on Rumination Tuesday, February the 8th in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. With me will be Mark Smith. And the hymn we're going to be taking a look to listen to today is Songs of Thankfulness and Praise. Here's a portion of it. Christopher Wordsworth. He was born in 1807, died in 1885. He was an Anglican clergyman, and he published this hymn in his 1862 collection, The Holy Year. And it appears under the heading, Sixth Sunday After the Epiphany, which is this coming Sunday. He explains that the purpose of the hymn is a recapitulation of the subjects presented in the services of former weeks throughout the season of Epiphany and anticipation of the future great and glorious Epiphany at which Christ will appear again to judge the world. The hymn, therefore, alludes to gospel readings from prior Sundays after the Epiphany, all which address a particular manifestation of Christ. Manifestation is a way of translating the word Epiphany. So that's what this hymn is all about, isn't it, Mark Smith? Yeah. In fact, this is one of my uh, favorite hymns of the Epiphany season. In fact, I I have the congregation sing it at the beginning of Epiphany to give them kind of a uh, a taste of what's to come. And I also conclude often the Epiphany season, toward the end of the Epiphany season with this hymn. So I, I have them sing it twice during the Epiphany. Wow. Yeah, it is Epiphany because the term manifest is used more than once. Right. And that's the purpose of the Epiphany season, to manifest or reveal that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that he himself is divine. Of course, hardly anybody figured that out until after the resurrection. There were a couple like perhaps Simeon and Anna and uh, Mary who washed his feet, in anointing him for his burial. But outside of that, boy, they just couldn't figure it out, could they? They just didn't get it yet, no. And that's why we really believe that faith is necessary, given by the Holy Spirit. And that faith and the Holy Spirit was given to the disciples 
even prior to Pentecost, if you'll recall. Right. You know, Tom, one one verse that I'm a little surprised that uh, that, that he did not include a verse talking about the transfiguration. But I guess you can't talk about everything in in uh, a hymn. The transfiguration is not part of Epiphany. Well, it's the last it's Sunday. It's the last Sunday before Lent, so that makes right. it. I don't know what else you'd call it, but Epiphany. No, even in the hymnal, the top is Transfiguration, not Epiphany. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Yeah. In fact, I'm not uh, sure. If, I'm not sure if Transfiguration was always celebrated at this time of the year, or I I might be confusing it with the Ascension. I know the Ascension was celebrated at different times. I thought it was always celebrated 40 days after the resurrection. Well, then I must be thinking of Transfiguration. I think Transfiguration might have been celebrated during the summer uh, centuries ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm unaware of that. What? Well, without further ado, stanza one, please. Okay. Songs of thankfulness and praise, Jesus, Lord, to Thee we raise, manifested by the star to the sages from afar. Branch of royal David's stem, in Thy birth at Bethlehem, anthems be to Thee addressed, God and man made manifest. So, what in this verse talks about Jesus as being manifested? What's the event? Well, uh, the the, uh, the epiphany, uh, the the star bringing the wise men from the east uh, to see to worship worship the baby Jesus, and of all, also the idea that he's that he descends from King David himself. He's a branch of royal David's stem. Yes, and that's an argument he had with the Pharisees because he was talking about before David was I am. And they, of course, couldn't figure that out. In fact, didn't he say before Abraham was, I am? Yes, that's true, too. Yeah. So that shows his divinity. And we raise songs of thankfulness and praise. Why a song of thankfulness? Well, we we should be thankful that, that uh, God loved us so much that he became manifested in 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 human flesh became man i mean that was i mean think of that you know i i remember one hymn that talks about how the angels just uh, just uh were astonished and uh and and overjoyed to see the baby jesus to see the the lord of the universe the very son of god take on human flesh. I mean, imagine, imagine that that was something, you know, that was never before. I mean, uh, it, it is an amazing thing when you think about it. Yes. And, and it's important to understand yesterday's Bible study I used for this coming Sunday was about Paul talking about the resurrection. And I made the point that he doesn't say that if you believe that Jesus rose, you're saved. He talked about the benefits of his resurrection 
that, that he rose for us, that he rose for us, that we too would be risen on the last day. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's all for us. He became manifested for us. Right. And so the promises are necessary to be believed. Just believing that he rose from the dead is not sufficient because the devils know that. Some of the Pharisees believe that. Remember, they paid the soldiers to lie right. that the disciples had come and stole, stole the body. Yeah. That's how worried they were about his resurrection. You're right. It's, uh, it's important that we, that we attribute those works to us, for us. Um, that he, he, he kept his promises for us, his promise of his, of his birth of his death, of his resurrection, that he will come again on the last day, all for us. Yes. What's, that hymn that, what's that hymn that has for us in it, like uh, 20 or more times? For us he died, for us, you know, you know which one I'm talking about. Nope. <laughs> oh, Tom, why do you make this so difficult for me? <laughs> You're the one who said it, I didn't. <laughs> okay. I don't have the... Bible memorized, how do I have the hymnal memorized? Well, let's see. How does that hymn go? For us, he came for us. Da, da, ba, da. I know, the, I know the, the tune. I can't think of all the words. Okay. That's all right. All right. I'll do stanza two. Once more, manifest at Jordan's stream, prophet, priest, and king supreme, and at Cana, wedding guest, in the Godhead, manifest. Manifest in power divine, changing water into wine. Anthems be to thee addressed, God in man made manifest. Now that's really what's so important about his manifestation, that he is man, but he is God in man. In other words, Jesus has two natures human and divine. Yeah. And there's not a division between them. I, I once asked a number of uh, people, is Jesus a human being in heaven? And I was surprised to hear how many didn't believe he was still a human being. Oh, yeah. He will be, he will be true God and true man throughout all eternity. That will never change. So what are the two events that made God and man manifest according to stanza two. Let's see. Uh, oh, Jordan Stream, his, uh, his baptism. And right. uh, the wedding at Cana where he turned water into wine. Yes. I guess we could go into uh, why it says prophet, priest, and king supreme. You know, that's, a, that's, a, you know, that's something we go through in the catechism. The fact that he's... he's He's still our prophet, priest, and king. He's our prophet insofar as, as uh, his ministry goes on uh, through the church, through the ministry. Uh, he is still our prophet. He's our priest insofar as uh, he, he's our advocate before the Father. Uh, and, and also, uh, he's the one that made atonement for our sins. And then King Supreme, he's... He's, his kingdom is over everything. Well said. In fact, this began in the Old Testament where God set up a prophet, set up a priest, and set up a king, you know, different people. 
But in the New Testament, Jesus was the earthly prophet, priest, and king, and that was a little different. He was prophet in that he was proclaiming the word of God. He was priest. Remember, the priest prayed for the people and also sacrificed. He became the sacrifice, and he was king because he led his disciples. Now he is triumphant prophet, but differently. He speaks through you and me and others who proclaim his word. He's priest in the sense that he prays for us. We have an advocate, as you said, and he's king because he rules over all things. So those are three kind of different meanings of prophet, priest, and king as you look at the Old Testament and, and the New and all of those, of course, were prophesied in the Old Testament, that he would be the king of kings, and he would be the prophet, uh, and and also the priest, himself yes. the victim and himself the priest. Well said. So, at Cana wedding guest, in thy Godhead manifest. Now, when I did the sermon on this so a few weeks ago, it was part of Epiphany, I hadn't realized that Jesus did that miracle privately. In other words, the people at the wedding did not realize that he had done all that water into wine. It was done, his disciples knew it, and servants who had gone out to get the water, and his mother knew it. But at that time, as he said to his mother, he didn't want to be in trouble with the Pharisees too early. And he had a mission to do that took three years. So it's kind of interesting. When he does miracles among the Israelites, he kind of tells people, don't tell anybody about it. When he does miracles among the Gentiles, then he doesn't mind because there was not many Gentiles there who wanted to put him to death like some of the Jews did. Oh, that's interesting. That's a, that's an interesting, uh, you know, because that's a question that comes up a lot in Bible study. Why did he tell the people not to, not to, uh, not to tell? Yes, he did that because he was concerned that he had a mission to do, and right. that was going to be three years in length. And of course, as soon as he told the people, they ran out and told everybody. Yeah, and 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 of course he had he really he never refused to heal anyone, but uh, he he had his primary mission was to go to the cross and redeem all and and to save us from sin sin, sin Satan and death. Uh, that was his primary mission, and he didn't want to. Uh, th- these other things were were ancillary: his healing, casting out demons, and that was important. But he didn't want anything to encumber him too much to the point where, like you say, uh, uh, to, to, to embolden his enemies and to get in the way of his, uh, his work of atonement. Yes, yeah, so wasn't it that Capernaum, he was healing people, and then he left them. And they yeah. went after him, and he said, no, my task is to preach. That's why I have come. And he went to the other cities and preached uh, in the synagogues about the two things he talked about at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, and that was repentance and the Gospel, law and Gospel. People of Capernaum wanted him to stay. They wanted to keep him there. (laughs) I know. 
which is understandable. Well, how come the people in Nazareth wanted to throw him off a cliff? Well, because there it came out in his sermon uh, that he, he had come for the Gentiles as well, that he was reaching out also to the Gentiles. They didn't yes. like that. No, they did not like it. And he refused to do miracles among them that right. he had done at Capernaum. Right. All right, stanza three, please. Okay. Manifest in making whole, palsied limbs and fainting soul. Manifest in valiant fight, quelling all the devil's might. Manifest in gracious will, ever bringing good from ill. Anthems be to thee addressed, God in man made manifest. So what event is that talking about? Well, it's talking about, uh, well, I think of the healing the man sick with the palsy. Remember, yep. he was he was brought by his friends to Jesus, and Jesus said, take up your bed and, and go and walk home, and he did. Um, fainting soul, manifest in valiant fight, of the casting out the demons uh, out of individuals that were uh, possessed by him. Yes, so... Those are all themes during the Epiphany, and we need to make sure the congregation understands that the reason we are reading those particular lessons is that they manifest God in man, and that's the purpose of the Epiphany season. Yeah, I kind of like of, I think of uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, we had the, uh, the miraculous catch of fish, and that that manifests Jesus as you know he's lord of he's lord of all in the universe and he's also lord even of the uh, the animal and and plant world you know even the animals are subject to him yes what i did with that sermon is i i did two events there was twice that jesus told his disciples to cast the net on the right side and get fish Right. The one time was at the beginning of the ministry, and Peter's response was, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Yes. The second time was after his resurrection, yes. when he told them to fish. And that time, Peter jumped into the water and swam to Jesus. Yeah, he, he didn't have the attitude to depart from me. And I made the point that that's the difference between living under the law, where we don't think that we're worthy enough to come before Jesus, and living in the gospel, where we can quickly want to swim to be with him, right. because he has forgiven our sins, and heaven is our home. Yeah, excellent, excellent uh, distinction between law and gospel there, Tom. I hadn't thought of that, but that is a beautiful, that is a beautiful distinction to make, uh, how, how Peter reacted and two different times. Well, it's also the Old Testament reading was from Isaiah, where he saw this vision of God, and what did he say? Woe oh, is me. Woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. And then what and did the angel people, do? Uh, the angel took a, uh, took a coal and uh, with a set of tongs and touched it to his lips and said, all your sins are atoned for. Yes. And then what was his different attitude when God said, who can I send? 
Here am I. Send me. Yeah, he he felt he felt finally uh, worthy of that of that message of that yes. uh, of that calling. Yes, and that again is a law and gospel distinction. Right. Absolutely. Good point. And so I thought it was really good that they had done the uh, Peter thing the same Sunday. It's just that they didn't have the John passage where he swims to Jesus. I had to bring that one in. But you can bring that in. You know, you teach the whole counsel of God. That's why we teach the whole counsel of God. We bring those bring those uh, passages in then. Yeah. Scripture interprets Scripture. Right. You know, Tom, one thing that strikes me, I seem to remember another version of this hymn that has, it, instead of God in man made manifest, it's God in flesh made manifest. I'm kind of, I'm glad, and I don't know if what hymnal that was that, that made that change, but I'm glad they kept it this way in the, uh, in the Lutheran service book. God yeah. and man made manifest. You know, we're so, you know, we're so gender conscious these days that oh, we better put flesh there instead of man, and uh, we don't want to be too exclusive. And I still, th- it sounds better for one thing, and you know, flesh, flesh is adequate, but, but, but the the fact on the fact is he took on human flesh. He didn't just become a pile of meat, but he took on human flesh. He became a human being. Yes, you got to remember that in the Old Testament, Jesus also appeared. Remember yes. when he ate with Abraham and the two angels? That's right. There he took on human flesh, but he was not yet man. He was pre-incarnate, as we say, right? Exactly. I'll do four. Okay. Sun and moon shall darken be. Stars shall fall, the heavens shall flee. Christ will then, like lightning shine, all will see his glorious sign. All will then, the trumpet hear, all will see the judge appear. Thou by all wilt be confessed, God in man made manifest. Now, there he brings in something that we talked about during the Advent season, but I don't think there was a text during Epiphany that talks specifically about his uh, last day, Judgment Day. But it sure brings together what Wordsworth is trying to get across. Well, this, this coming Sunday... Uh, the gospel reading talks about, and also the epistle. The epistle, of course, will talk about how he has, uh, how how death, the last enemy, will be destroyed by him. So that's you know that's really uh, eschatological, uh, talking about his uh, his second coming. That all things will, all his enemies that. will be placed under his feet. What was that, Tom? Explain eschatological. Uh, eschatological has to do with the, the teaching of last things. What will happen? What's connected with the end times? And there's no doubt that on that day, even the unbelievers will recognize that Jesus is man made manifest. 
Yeah, I think about this a lot. You know, I think about, you know, as I hear uh, the media, the liberal media and other aspects of society that, you know, they don't believe in him. And they just think, oh, those Christians, you know, they think he's coming again sometime. What a bunch of fools. But, you know, all of those all of those people are going to see him coming again. And uh, when he came the first time, people could reject him. But there'll be no rejecting him now when he comes again on the last day. Everybody will have to confess him as Lord of all. Well, um, I don't know if I'd say that. Well, the unbelievers will recognize be, he's God and man, but they won't confess him as Lord. Yeah, I mean it in the wider sense. I mean, you're right. They will not embrace him, but they will have to. They'll have to recognize who he is. There'll be no denying him then. They'll be like the devil. Yeah. Remember, right. the demons knew who he was, and he told them to be quiet. Right. All right. Final stanza, please. Okay. Grant us grace to see thee, Lord, present in thy holy word. Grace to imitate thee now, and be pure as pure art thou, that we might become like thee at thy great epiphany, and may praise thee ever blessed, God and man made manifest. Here's another change that I've seen. You know, in the old hymnal, it used to say, mirrored in thy holy word. I think it's better to say, he's present in thy holy word. That's where, when we, when we, want, to, we want to come to Jesus, as Peter did, uh, we, we go to his word and sacrament. That's where we find him today. He's, he's with us. Well, he's with us invisibly. But when we when we want to to come to him and uh, receive his promises, we go to his word and sacrament. Yes, that's an expansion of that term prophet from stanza two. Right. How is he a prophet today through word and sacrament? How can we be pure as he is pure? What does that mean? Only in him. Only in Him. That's the only way we can be as pure as Him, and that's when we're, we're we're in Him, by grace through faith in Him. And so our purity begins when we come to faith, but we're still a sinner. But in heaven, we will be pure, and there will be no sin. Yeah, from God's perspective now, we're saints. All right, thanks very much for songs of thankfulness and praise on tomorrow's Law and Gospel. We'll be taking a look again at Proverbs, where we're learning all about how God thinks of the world and how we behave. Tell your friends about it. Tomorrow, 9.30 a.m., I'm Tom Baker, Pastor Mark Smith. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.